Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick five and tries it, don't know, long we over, oh, what a shot! What a goal! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Don't miss again, and it's there! Hartley and Weir comes up, Jets goal! One more game to go in Group D of UEFA Euro 2020. Scotland against Croatia tomorrow night. And, of course, after an encouraging draw at Wembley, which keeps us in the hunt, we've been stuck with some gutting news. Billy Gilmore has tested positive for coronavirus, as I'm sure everyone listening has heard. So that puts a little spanner in the works. We'll discuss how Scotland can maybe work their way around that because he was superb against England for his first start and we'll also have a wee look today at the permutations that Scotland need to go our way for us to guarantee progress with a win against Croatia tomorrow night who are also going all out for the win to guarantee progress themselves so it's a bit of a showdown. Joining me today for the first time as a combination Andy Lang from Alba Mater and Neil Dogty, who has written a book about Scotland recently it's uh, France 98 Scotland Story it's his debut on the podcast. Welcome, fellas. Hi, Andy. Hello. Nice to see you. Hi, yeah. Right. Well, uh, we'll get stuck right into it then. Andy, I'll come to you first. That's that's an absolute gutter with Billy Gilmore. I'm not going to go as far as saying that it's an absolute hammer blow, but mm. I think that it's it's significantly disappointing news. Oh man, I think we all did exactly the same thing. I don't know about you guys, but when you first saw it, you just went, no, 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 no way. It's like, and I had to check it wasn't a fake account, you know, because you just assume that, like, someone's pulling your leg or something. It's kind of like, uh, Billy Gilmore's had his own wee soap opera, hasn't he? I mean, it's not long ago that he hadn't made his debut and then he gets booted out the the game, um, you know, one of the pre-tournament games and, Everybody's clamouring for him to start. I think not long ago, in fact, the last time I was on, we were debating whether or not he should start. And then, of course, Clark does start him in the biggest game possible. And he gets man of the match. Of course he does. He gets man of the match every time he plays. So it's like, yeah, it was a real hammer blow. Um, and I think emotionally for us and maybe the listeners to process, like just acknowledging how absolutely gutted we are, but, but how... Um, you know how pleasing it is to be a Scotland fan in this day and age when you've got Premier League quality players on the bench who can come in for them, and that's including injuries to players who would maybe be a more natural fit, like Kenny McLean or Ryan Jack, who we know we miss dearly. So it's it's a real kicking the stones, man. I don't know how else you you talk about it, but. But we, we need to look ahead and we need to look ahead quickly. And I'm sure Steve Clark, being the pragmatist that he is, will, um, will already have an idea in mind, already have a solution in place. Neil, it's it's quite ironic, isn't it, that 
centre mid is the area that we're stacked with the most, maybe relatively speaking, take left back out of the equation. But centre mid is the area we're stacked most, and yet we're now scraping the, the barrel um, of the squad to get someone in, given that we're playing McTominay in defence. Because Jack is injured, McLean is injured, Callum McGregor is there, Billy Gilmore now can't play, and McTominay's not part of that select group, given the, the change that Clark's seen fit to make. Yeah, it took me a few hours today, as Andy was just saying, to, to really get my head around the loss of Gilmore. Um, it was a hammer blow, as we've just said there, and I, I instantly went into that frame of mind where oh it's all this always happens to us as Scotland this why all why always us why always that these these terrible things ha happening to Scotland um I'm just old enough to recall the, the the trauma of past tournaments such as France 98 and you know and um, and, and always this notion that the the, the, the glorious failure and, and it took me a wee while to get out of that frame of mind today and get back around to the fact that there's there was nine points to play for at the beginning of the the campaign just like every other nation had nine points to play for, um, so we're no different. We 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 fluffed our lines against the checks. We, we left ourselves a mountain to climb. Uh, we climbed halfway up the mountain against. England with a fantastic performance and now we need to climb the other half of the mountain and, and I would ideally Gilmore's performance against England was was fantastic we are now scra scraping the barrel slightly in, in central midfield but as Andy's just alluded to I would be tempted to go with John Fleck personally to, to, to maintain what that balance that he created that, that, that he lacked in the Czech game that balance that we found at Wembley that, that that's where my head has gone when I've tried to be more positive and constructive about the loss of Gilmore. Mm. Yeah, Andy, there, there are options in the midfield, but they seem to be in the, the attacking reserves rather than someone who would be more comfortable or willing to to sit as part of a deeper two. I think if, mm. if Jack was fit, he'd be in. If Kenny McLean was fit, then he'd be in. John Fleck might not even be in the squad if Kenny McLean and Ryan Jack were fit. But he is here. And Neil's suggesting he's the, the the next man off the the carousel. Do you agree? Yeah, I think if you're like Neil touched on something really interesting there. He said um, maintaining the balance and just to kind of as a minor segue, but it made me feel a lot better. So I'll pass it on in the hope it makes other people feel better too. Um, Dean Saunders, there was a good soundbite during the round. He was talking about Wales, and he went through their their eleven who as we know, have performed so well this tournament. And besides Bale and Ramsey, who we all know about, but he's like, Bale's been in and out this first team. Ramsey's been a bit part player at UV. He's been injured. He went through the rest of the 11 and hardly any of them have kicked a ball. You know, there's, there's a real strength that um, is not based upon form in inverted, inverted commas or, or whatever you want to say. It's like, it's something different. It's like a mindset or a belief or... Whatever it is, it's it's like you can see it. It's really observable when Wales play or when they do whatever. You know, there's a real strong core there, and I think everybody is now waking up to the fact that that's what Clark's doing with Scotland. We all believe that as fans. You know, we we have that undercurrent of kind of like Neil said, it's taken us a while to to move in that one, but actually to to do a U-turn and and become uh, you know believers basically. So that we don't, it, it doesn't really matter. And I think I've said this, I, it's 
a favourite quote of Steve Clark's over over recent years, which has been what we're trying to do is put in a way of playing that whoever the personnel is, they understand their role and their job. And I think um, that, for me, gives me huge confidence because I think, OK, we've not got Jack, we've not got McLean, but we've still got John Fleck, who it was only last year was like... He was even been talked about in terms of team of the year in the Premier League for that defensive midfield role, which is mad. But he was part of that Sheffield United team and he was holding on to the ball so well. OK, it didn't work out for him in the last year, but as we've just said, with form and things like that, there's, there's something else going on that I think whoever comes in will know their task. They might not be able to perform it the same way as Gilmore did. Few can, which is why he's so special. But I, I'm kind of... With Neil, if we maintain that balance, then I'm going Fleck. However, you could also move McGinn back and you can you can then talk about bringing on Armstrong, who can who poses a different threat entirely for Croatia. He just runs at players and he commits players. Um, so depending on what, you know, Clark thinks is best, is it maintaining the balance in the kind of squad that we had in Wembley or is it changing it slightly and saying, right, Stu Armstrong, this is your moment of redemption, son. Like, um, take it to them. You know, run with the ball, do what you're good at, link play with the forwards. Uh, we're still to see that Adams and Armstrong link up that's so good at Southampton. We're still to see it in the Scotland um, team. So it might be that that comes to fresh in this game. Neil, John, John McGinn being dropped deeper into the, in the team uh, as one of the two holders, does that fill you with comfort or anxiety? No, I don't. I don't like that idea because of how well the midfield performed at Wembley with McGinn leading that press. I thought it was it was just that that triangle that they played in was so effective. And I've I haven't rewatched the whole game, but I've rewatched almost the whole first half. And it, it just set the McGinn pressing. It just set the set the tone. You know, from from the first whistle. You know, you saw that there was something different about Scotland at Wembley. I don't think it worked at Hamden against the Czechs at all. I don't dislike Armstrong, but it just didn't work. And um, no, for me, um, it would be all about trying to recreate what we did at Wembley. And the, the most suitable player to, to do that, in my view, would be John Fleck. It David Turnbull's not really getting a mention or a look in here. If we're talking about comfort on the ball or composure on the ball, retention skills and eye for a pass, he's probably, well, he's, he's not uh, as good as Gilmore, but I think that he's probably um, the, what, the closest one to him. But again, Andy, just dropping him into one of the deeper two is a risk not worth taking. I don't think he's that type of player, no. I think it's a big ask for him, huge ask. I think it'd be unfair on him. Um, you know, I agree with Neil that Fleck probably is the... He'll probably get the nod, to be honest, because I think, you know, why why fix a team that's just performed so heroically against one of the favourites of the tournament in their stadium? You know, um, Billy Gilmore, as good as he is, there was 10 other players on the pitch, and maintaining that continuity is is vital. So I think Fleck probably will get the nod with Turnbull. I'm a huge fan of Turnbull. I think we all are. Um, he only came into Celtic team halfway through the season. Don't need to recover all ground, but, you know, they had a very poor season. He didn't. He stuck out. And, you know, everybody unanimously um, 
knows that David Turnbull is a, is a unique player, a unique talent. The way he strikes the ball, the, his dead ball delivery has improved since going to Celtic, even when it was fairly decent before. You know, he's he's making chance upon chance constantly. So for that reason, I think he's more of a, a wonderful player to look to when you've got half an hour left and you need a goal. Um, and you're, you're maybe swapping the double pivot at that point. Maybe it isn't working. Maybe we haven't scored. Maybe we do need to just, you know, move to to, to a single pivot and w- with McGregor or whatever, and maybe Fleck makes way for for Turnbull or Armstrong. Totally with that, get that. But I don't think it will start like that. And I think Armstrong and as much as I'm a fan of him as well, they're both kind of impact players. Do you know what I mean? They're. Mm, I'm not sure they can they can do the role. I don't think it'd be fair to ask either of them to do the role. That, uh, as we're talking about, is alongside McGregor and that double pivot. And we haven't spoken about who they're up against in terms of this Croatian midfield. So they're going to need legs and plenty of legs um, to, to close down space and make it as difficult and as horrible as possible for those three Croatian midfielders who are exceptional. Um, they're, likely, they're likely to be... Brozovic, Kovacic and Modric and then on the wings and, and up front they've got people like Kramaric and, and Perisic. I mean, yeah, I think there seems to be some interest that Croatia aren't the same force that they were in 2018 uh, when they reached the World Cup final, but it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, make no mistake about it, Neil, we are vast underdogs for this game. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the rest of Europe looking on, they would be with Croatia having reached the World Cup final in 2018, if, if Scotland dump out Croatia, that's a massive surprise to everybody else in Europe. Um, but just to kind of revisit the, 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 the kind of midfield discussion there, I think when I, I was fortunate enough to be at Hamden and I left Hamden that afternoon, obviously solely disappointed like like everybody else when we were beaten 2-0 by the Czech Republic. And, and I left feeling that Stuart Armstrong had maybe been the, the, the biggest disappointment in that midfield. But when I re-watched the game again, I actually felt that, that the biggest disappointment in the midfield was John McGinn. And and he was not because... I think he was just anonymous almost in the game, which was almost heartbreaking at the time because obviously left is the, 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 such a mountain to climb. So now that we found obviously a major tournament, it's all about finding that... Could you say that... that hidden magic or whatever that 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 moment where it clicks i suppose and, and we we found that at wembley and i think it's it's about what andy said and the, i think the wales parallel is really really relevant here where it it's interchangeable really for wales who plays it's more about a, a spirit and a belief that they've carried on that they found in 2016 and they've carried on um into this tournament and that, that, I think, is a great point, actually. And I've been drawing parallels with Wales as the template since before the tournament. When I was asked about what are my hopes for the tournament, I think Wales had to be... And that, that to, Wales had to be looked at as the template. And then and Andy, for me, has developed that point even further to, and got my, the cogs in my head turning. I think that's exactly what it's about. It's We found something at Wembley that we found that balance I suppose is the best word that that I would hope but as we know I would hope that Clark would would, would carry on and, and look for again and I'm sure he will but I don't think that me I don't think that Armstrong 
as, as the correct fit. Um, and I think McGinn was anonymous and out of position against the Czechs, and I think it cost us dearly in the end. So we seem to be in agreement then that Fleck is the most natural replacement for Billy <laughs> in this situation. The players that are available to us, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Um, but um, as far as I'm aware, um, I think that it, it is likely or more likely to be Armstrong uh, than any of the others, and I just wonder if that means that McGregor will have the opportunity, or not the opportunity really, well, we're given the responsibility to be the single pivot, and then McGinn and Armstrong. We'll play in front as a two, much like we did against the Czech Republic, which I don't really like the idea of. And I'm not going to get into the the business of telling Steve Clark what or what not to do because I don't see the team training. I'm not a football tactically minded guy, but it would seem strange to alter the setup and the shape from how well we did against England, guys. Hmm. I think that um, I saw you were having a, a chat on Twitter with Grant uh, Gendo and. Was it Reese as well? You were having a chat with Andy, and that was really helpful to to see because I always value what those guys say. But one of the things I'm sure it was Grant. I'll attribute it to Grant anyway. I don't know. Someone else can get in touch to say it, but like players aren't positions, you know. So I think um, kind of what we all know as Scotland fans is like who's our and we wrote an article on it, kind of alluding to the fact that John McGinn's our unicorn, like he's our kind of magic player. He's a guy who can score an overhead kick in the last ten minutes when when you need that, you know. Mm-hmm. And we kind of at the time were thinking, who else can do that in our team? Like, there's there's no one you would even think of that would do something like that, you know. So, from that point of view, I think him playing as a sorry, can you hear my kids in the background? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's too if it's too noisy, we'll stop. <laughs> but um, oh man, see, they're throwing me off my set my my point now. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you have Armstrong and McGinn and you just you know ch- chuck players forward which some people will be in favour of I'd I'd be more inclined to be um, more conservative in this instance Andy just like you said and if it is Armstrong then that means McGinn's dropping back into a double pivot and it's Armstrong playing ahead of him and I, I picked out one instance of just why we can because I'm with you Neil I think McGinn was anonymous as well against the Czechs and it, it, it was a bit confusing, but then it was great against England. And it, I came back to, I don't know if you watched this game, but I remember watching it and it was amazing how good McGinn was. It was um, against Kante at Stamford Bridge. I think he won man of match. In fact, I'm sure he won man of match. And um, Aston Villa drew one each. And he played a slightly deeper role, but he was just everywhere. He was kind of like a six and a half. Like he wasn't quite a six, he wasn't quite an eight. He was just Absolutely everywhere. Everything that Hibs fans love about him, everything that um, Villa fans have grown to love about him and everything that Scotland fans love, just like winning the ball, sticking his arse in and turning people, like pressing high up, but still having the energy and the awareness to to fill space when he needed to. So it's almost like we need McGinn to grow that kind of into that unicorn mm-hmm. persona this game and be our, our real match winner, our real um, special player in this game. So... I'm not sure if it's going to be as simple as who plays pivot and who, who goes ahead, who plays a six, who plays an eight. I think it might be more, to come back to the original point, um, players aren't positions and we just need to go, right, John, this is what you're made for, son. You know? Like he's a, he's a big game player and um, 
yeah, I think we'll see the best. I think we'll see the best every Scotland player tomorrow. Absolutely sure of that. There are uh, there are big calls just to keep the team as similar as possible to the England game, Neil. It was a, a quite a well, so far anyway, a tale of redemption for Stephen O'Donnell after um, a, an average performance against Czech Republic. I'll say I don't think he was dreadful, but um, he, he didn't have his best game, um, as I'm sure he'll admit. But he really turned that around against England. He was superb. Uh, I feel that Andy Robertson had another good performance. Tierney, Hanley, and McTominay were were absolutely brilliant at the back together. And Shea Adams and Dykes seemed to hit it off again well up front. So no other changes in, in your mind for what we should be doing against Croatia apart from the, the Gilmore incident? No, uh, not exactly. I, I would keep McTominay at right centre-back. Um, O'Donnell, I think, was quite unfairly treated after the, the Czech game. He was, he was poor in the first half hour. He looked as if he was lacking. He had that game where he... Sometimes O'Donnell can have where his touch isn't in, and he's lacking a bit. He's lacking a bit in confidence, and um, obviously it was the biggest game of his life, and and all eyes were on him. And sometimes O'Donnell can go that way, uh, um, where he's, he's It just takes his first touch to be poor, and I think we can all remember he he miscontrolled the ball, didn't he? And it, it rolled out the pitch, and from there it was the kind of pattern was set for O'Donnell for the first half hour uh, against the Czechs. But really, to be honest. I thought that that Hendry really offered them no. I, I, we're talking about players being anonymous in that match, along with McGinn. H- Hendry was another, apart from hitting the bar. And I think Henry's a lovely footballer, and I'm not here to knock these players whatsoever. Uh, it's it just he was kind of a wall in that hey, first half or first hour. What was he substituted after sixty odd minutes, wasn't he? And apart from hitting the bar and and the rebounded shot that fell to Schick you hardly saw him really and he offered O'Donnell no cover whatsoever so that's just I suppose a wee soapbox moment for um, and and obviously O'Donnell's redeemed himself with his performance against England so I no, I wouldn't be in support of any changes at the back McTominay I had liked the idea of McTominay shifting into midfield initially before the Czech Republic game I, I didn't mind that idea but when I saw him at Wembley, playing at right centre-back, he just offered so much more protection for O'Donnell, and O'Donnell grew in confidence, didn't he? And, and I think O'Donnell's best games for Scotland have been with McTominay, and I think the two of them like, they appear to like to play with each other. So, no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be um, shouting for anything other than that, what, who's going to replace Gilmer? That's where my head's been all day. After I did the kind of post-mortem in my head and the the pity party I suppose after the shocker about Gilmore which it really was a shocker uh, that news but I'm over that now and I, I, I love I love Andy's point about Wales and the, and the parallels and why why can't it be us why can't why can't we get a result against Croatia um, if you think Neil they, they beat was it Belgium they beat when Belgium were like Definite favourites, you know, like hundred percent favourites, and they, um, like I'll try and find that Saunders clip. Maybe you could link it or something, Andy. But the he was going through. It's unbelievable the eleven that started against Italy, where they've been playing this season. I think their goalie hasn't kicked, thrown a ball, kicked a ball, saved a ball like for for ages. You know, so all our players are playing at a higher level, with the exception of 
in fact, no, Bale's playing for Spurs. We've got players at Liverpool, Man U, you know. So, yeah, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in, but it, it just struck me that that's really what we need to harness. It's about, it's, we know that we've got good players now. We know that we've got a system that works. So tomorrow's like, it's like a special occasion almost, isn't it? It's like a cup final. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something more than just um, kind of tactics, really. It's winner take winner takes all tomorrow. A draw suits no one. In fact, while we're on it, why don't we run through some of the the permutations? Okay, so for us to stand a chance, we must win. Draw is no good whatsoever. We must win tomorrow. Now, uh, the permutations in Group A didn't do us any good because we could have done with Switzerland losing. They saw off Turkey, who, by the way, have been dreadful. How how bad have Turkey been? Um, yep. so, and then Group C has just finished um, in the last half hour or so and we could have done with Austria or Ukraine beating one, uh, one of them beating the other uh, they were playing each other they were both on three points and Austria won that 1-0 so Ukraine are in that group guaranteed to finish third place on three points whereas in Group A Switzerland have finished third on four points now in Group B games are actually about to kick off in the next half hour. We could do with Belgium beating Finland, which sounds very plausible, fellas. Stranger things have hmm. happened in a Finland win, but <laughs> Belgium should beat Finland, which would be all we need then for a win tomorrow to guarantee us. Also in that group, though, if Finland were to spring a massive surprise, if Denmark beat Russia, that would also be fine for us. Um, but let's just, considering a lot of people, I think, will be listening to this podcast the day after, these games. So let's just say that Group B has gone against us uh, and Finland have beaten Belgium and Russia have beaten uh, Denmark. That would leave them all on six points, I think, actually. Um, So Group E, we need uh, Spain and Slovakia to draw. That That would be handy for us. And also in Group F, Germany and uh, Portugal play each other. Um, if, as long as one of them wins, that's fine because it leaves the other on three points. So let's just hope that this evening Belgium get the job done against Finland as they're expected to. And that means that when we kick off tomorrow, we know 100% that a win will take us into the, the knockout stage rather than winning tomorrow and then having to wait and see what happens in the other groups, that would just be absolute torture, Andy, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you you hit the nail on the head. We just need to win our game. We, I don't know what um what the listeners will know, and maybe we're just talking about nothing at the moment, and it's all fine. But um I think regardless, we just need to win win our game. The the interesting thing you mentioned Spain, like Spain have drawn twice already, so a draw there's not um impossible. They, they don't seem to be able to convert their chances, but they're very solid at the back. So that bodes well for a draw. Let's see. Um, as for the others, I think you mentioned the Portugal-Germany group. I got, and I got that one wrong. I should, I should clarify. It's Germany playing Hungary and France playing Portugal. So uh, we, we, we could do with Portugal losing to France and Germany beating Hungary, which again, both seem very plausible. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And also the Belgians, I think that's your main kind of ticket there. You would hope you would hope that they, they, they'll want to win. Um, no team likes to lose. Unless you're England, of course. Sorry, I'm just being cheeky. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't... I, yeah, 
I don't think we're in the privileged position of like being able to chart how we qualify. I think just being able to qualify will be for all is just the yeah. best thing ever, won't it? So yeah. let's just yeah. go out and win. How do you both feel? Come to you first, Neil. You said you're over the Gilmore news, and I don't think that Gilmore's injury will necessarily make or break this game. It will influence it, I'm sure, but are you still feeling pretty confident about tomorrow? Because after the performance against England on Friday, the wave that everyone was riding on was was huge, and, and this has brought it crashing down a wee bit. I think it depends. I think it, dep- it depends on who he replaces... I think it depends who he replaces Gilmore with. For me, I, I can't see it working with Armstrong. Personally, I would worry about that. But equally, um, Clark is head coach of Scotland. I'm just somebody trying to analyse it on a podcast. So he, he I think the, the more importantly, it's. I think it was after after the Czech Republic game we were. We were I mean, I was heartbroken. We were all, I think, feeling the same, absolutely demoralised. And I think that was it was all about, we, we feared that Wembley fixture so much. I think collectively we feared going down there and for it all to be over, you know, and, and the most, you know, in Wembley, the, the worst possible surroundings for the dream to be over, you know, um, hammered by England, you know. And, and when that didn't happen, you know, it was it was such, it was such a great performance, and it just galvanised the whole thing again, didn't it? So, so why not? I'm thinking I was at Hamden for Croatia, Czech Republic, Croatia tried to match them really with with, with a formation four two three one. We really struggled with. The, I think Czech Republic haven't really been given a fair hearing at all. In this group at all, England English uh, punditry has completely omitted them from the the dialogue. Um, even though they're sitting top of the group, we really struggled with their four-two-three-one and the way the three, um, the three midfield attack midfielders in behind the uh, Sheik um, interchanged and overloaded and isolated O'Donnell. Jank Toe has had a brilliant tournament. Um, Masapust, is it Derida as well, the wee captain. He's a lovely you know, player, yeah. Yeah, I know, and they were a good, they're a really good side, and and. Croatia, I think, kind of, kind of try to match them, which I, prob- I think probably shows where Croatia are at the moment. That they, they really were poor in the first half at Hamden, and I know sometimes it's easier to, to make an analysis on the TV, but sitting behind the goals for that match, I mean, Croatia were definitely second best in the first half. Came out in the second half, they made a couple of changes at half-time, didn't they? And um, were brighter in the second half, um, Perisic is a class act, hasn't he? He's scored world. He's one of the ones now that scored World Cup fourteen, Euro sixteen, World Cup eighteen, and Euro twenty twenty. You know, so we don't have anybody in that sort of cat. He scored in the World Cup final, so the, 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 it's not. It's going to be difficult. But Croatia, I don't. They aren't the team that they were. They they look hopefully a team on the on the decline and. Would I be massively surprised? Uh, would the rest of Europe, I suppose, be massively surprised if Croatia now kind of limped out the tournament? I'm maybe contradicting myself here, but maybe maybe not, given what we've seen in the first two matches f- from Croatia. They've, they've been quite poor, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, the fact that we're in the World Cup final only three years ago would still make it a shock. But if we just... We, 
capture capture the spirit of Wembley is is so I'll stay I'm I'm optimistic. It's not, there's nine points to play for at the beginning. I'm not subscribing to any you know, of this stuff about glorious failure and why always Scotland. I'm just not subscribing to it. Nine points to play for and, and still three points to play for as far as I'm concerned. I'm treading on thin ice here probably with, with you, Andy, being on the, the podcast of uh, positivity and <laughs> like to look at things. My wife, my wife will tell you I have been known to be, to be quite negative. <laughs> <laughs> See if the kids are allowed and I'm on a podcast, for example, then that's a classic example. <laughs> I, I am concerned, though, that, that we will get knocked out scoring a goal. I'm really worried about that. And I'm, I'm not so negative about it. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. what's the point? Because the, the reason, but the reason that we celebrate reaching this major tournament, in my opinion, it's not just so that we can be there, it's so that we can then enjoy those moments at a major tournament. What Marshall's penalty save or Christie's goal um, or Kenny McLean's penalty, you want to enjoy those moments on the big stage, not on the, the qualifying stage. And I'm I'm terrified that we're going to look back on this moment and uh, this tournament, sorry, and the, the best thing we'll have to celebrate is, mm. is keeping England at bay. Um, I, I think that we really need to score a, a goal tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We have to score. We have to do something we haven't done yet. But I guess that is what a Scotland team excel at. Um, and that's just not mindless positivity. I think they have overcome burden after burden. Um, and they, they are creating history. They talk quite a lot about creating history. They talk quite a lot about growing in their mindset and they really mean it. I think we've covered that before. And you can see that, you can hear that when you listen to them. And Neil made a good point about being fearful, and you said that again about being fearful. Like fear's totally normal, fear's totally natural, but you can harness it. Do you know what I mean? You can you can harness it in creative ways. And I think what we've seen, I'm amazed at Scotland. I'm amazed that we've we've become penalty kings. Do you know what I mean? Like I I didn't see that one coming. That we just sink every penalty that comes our way. That we rise to the big occasion. That we go to Wembley and by the way play them off the park and should have won. You know, I, I'm sure you've been doing the rounds in the English podcast as well. They're all like, when did Scotland become good? And you're like, well, if you go through our first 11, we've actually got really decent players. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would much rather have our midfield three than their midfield three, which was proven at Wembley. So there's an awful lot where we can, I think we said in our first poem, make yourself gallus. You know, and we really meant it. It was a case of, it's a Scottish word, but it really encapsulates what this team's all about. But what we need to do is provide that cutting edge that you've said. And and, and cutting the video for the second poem, it became apparent just going over the highlights again and again and again, how many chances we had and how many guilt-edge chances we had. Like the toes of the keeper denying us, you know, the bar. But at Armstrong's, I didn't remember that being so close, but when I watched it over and over in slow motion, it was like inches, you know. So we've created the most um, chances out of this group. England have created the least, by the way. We've created the most. And Robertson made the most key passes against Czech Republic out of anybody in the whole tournament in the first round of fixtures. So I don't think we'll struggle to create chances. It's whether or not Dykes and Adams can just bang one in or McGinn can rise to it like we were talking about and just do what he does and, you know, bang one in. Yeah. I mean, the, the relief of a nation when that goal goes in, Andy, will just be, oh... 
are you going to the game, Neil? Will you be jumping over the seats at that point? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get. I've got tickets for all three matches oh. at Hamden from the original UEFA ballot from August. What, what was that? Two years ago, almost. So fortunate in that regard. So many times I could have lost those tickets. So and so many I'd written off the tournament entirely in my head. You know, 2020. So yeah, no, I'll be there. That's nice just coming to the end of the Zoom again. We're cheapers here on the. Uh, amateur account so we'll sign off and I hope that Scotland can get the job done tomorrow fellas Thanks Andy Cheers Cheers, guys Sports Social Podcast Network